you think about that third verse that the choir just sang and how good God has been in sending His Son to us. And we have salvation that is free to us this morning. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're going to have a hard time singing that last verse. Let's all stand together. Turn to page number two. When Christ shall come, will you be ready? Because He's going to come for those that are His own. Let's sing it out together. Verse number four on page number two. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great Thou art. Then sings my Lord, you have a lot to look forward to. Amen. Amen. What a blessing this morning. Sure glad uh, that you are here this morning and joining us. Uh, thankful. Uh, man, we had a great time uh, at the couples retreat this weekend. We survived. Amen. And uh, it was a real blessing. And sure thankful that you are uh, here this morning. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer because I'm glad you're here and I'm glad I'm here, but we need the Lord here. Amen. And so let's pray and ask God's blessing on our uh, services this morning. I'm going to ask you, Brother Jim Wisdom, one of our deacons, if you would pray for us, brother. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? I did just want to make a few uh, quick announcements. Uh, of course, tonight uh, we'll have our regular services, our Bible study at 6 o'clock, and then our evening service tonight at 6.30. And our youth director tonight, Brother Tim Quinlan, is going to uh, be preaching, and so be in your place uh, for that. If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, don't forget about uh, the games that were rescheduled are tomorrow night. And so that'll be at home tomorrow night. We'll have basketball games and volleyball games. It'll be over in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium, and that'll be at 6 o'clock in the evening. And so I want to encourage you to be out uh, for that and encourage our uh, young ladies and also our young men that are competing in those. And then also if you have young people in the teen department, there is a youth rally Friday night, February the 9th at Temple Baptist Church in El Dorado, uh, Kansas. And so make sure you're aware of that. It starts at 7 o'clock, so I'm assuming they're probably going to be meeting around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and heading down for that. So make sure you're aware of those times. And then church, I wanted to mention this. We are having our church-wide outreach. It is scheduled for Saturday, uh, February the 17th, and that's at 1030 in the morning. And so make sure you mark your calendars and you're here for that. And speaking of calendars, if you would like to uh, know what's kind of coming up, uh, for the year. We do have these bookmarks that are available here 
uh, in the, uh, in the uh, table here in the sanctuary. It just kind of has a list of the major events of our church. And that way, if you're planning your vacation or something out like that, but you don't want to miss anything, which I would definitely not want to miss anything, amen, and uh, you can use uh, that bookmark, and it will uh, be a real blessing uh, to you. Okay, brother, come on ahead. Would you turn to page 8 with us this morning? Page number 8, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let's all stand together again. Page number 8, we'll sing all three verses this morning. We serve a faithful God. Let's sing it out. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God my Father. faithful in your life say amen this morning 
Praise the Lord. Let's turn to page number 213 now. Page number 213. <coughs> holy, holy, holy. He's a faithful God. He is a holy God. Let's sing it out together this morning. Page number 213. Holy, holy, holy Lord. Good to have each one here. So thankful for those visiting with us. We're glad you're here today.
13 if you lost that page number. Let's sing that last verse together. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Job chapter 19, verse 23. He says, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Brother Parker, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. all stand together one last time this morning. Turn to page 233. Page 233 with me this morning. Our God is faithful, He's holy, and He's certainly gracious. Amen. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Let's sing all three verses together. Begin on the first. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? of Jesus. 
pull the matchless grace of Jesus deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Amen this morning. Praise the Lord. Great singing. You may be seated. Just before the message this morning, we're going to have a special from the ladies' trio. And 
songs. I love that song. Amen. And I love it that it gets that old hymn in there under his wings. Amen. And uh, just a just a real uh, blessing. And I, I really believe this. It kind of goes along uh, with the message uh, th- this morning because we do have an enemy, don't we? And uh, so this will be a real uh, blessing and how it kind of all uh, the Lord just kind of puts it all uh, together. Well, sure thankful that you are here this morning. And uh, we did. We had a great couples retreat. And uh, looking forward uh, to this morning and getting back into our study as we've, gone, we've been going through uh, the Gospel of Luke. And so we're actually in chapter number four, but I just want to remind you that at the end of chapter number three, we saw where 
the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, he is baptized. And, and that, of course, be, uh, signifies what I would say is the start of his earthly ministry. All right. Now, here's, here's what I want to get across to you this morning. All right. Anytime you set out to do what God, what God says to do, you are going to find that the enemy is going to show up. Satan, and he's going to come along and try to keep you from that. All right? And that's what we're going to see this morning as we get into the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4. And we see what, is, what, what we would call the temptation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I would say to you. Praise God, He fails. All right? And I love, and because He fails... I love what Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So because of this, he knows what we go through, but here's the other thing. He shows us how we can go through it in victory. So let's all stand if you're able to stand in, in honor of God's Word, and turn with me to Luke chapter number 4, and let's begin reading in verse number 1. So again, Jesus has been baptized. The Spirit of God descends upon Him in the form of a dove. And so beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says this, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, now notice the, the question here, trying to get Jesus to prove himself, he says, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be, that it be made of bread. Now that's that's interesting. If thou be the Son of God. Because we got to be careful that we don't tempt our God and say, you know, if you're God, do this. That's what the devil does. We're not called to, we're, listen, you're not God, he's God. We're, we're, we're called, we're just called to have faith and believe that he is God. So, so notice he says, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made of bread. And Jesus answering him saying, and Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power, this is interesting, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will I will, I give it. Now that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Because doesn't the Bible say he is the prince of the power of the air? Please listen to this. He's not sitting on a throne in hell ruling there. This is where he is at work right now. And he has power over the kingdoms and things like that. And he can give it to whosoever he will. Now, he's going to give it to the Antichrist. Praise God, if you're saved, you're not going to be here for that. But so notice in verse number 7, there's a stipulation. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, 
Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt, or uh, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him. And notice the end here, for a season. Because you understand, the devil's going to be on the attack through the whole ordeal. Because he is trying to ruin God's plan for the redemption of all mankind, which is only found in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now here's what I want to say to you this morning, and I want you to grab a hold of this. Just as the father has a plan for his son right here, he's got a plan for you and me. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to know him as his savior. He wants you to surrender your life and follow him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. But you got to understand that just as God loves you and wants you to be saved, there is an enemy trying to ruin all of that. And the way that he does that is through temptation. And so what I would say to you is this, is that just as Jesus gave us a pattern or an example of obedience and needing the power of the Spirit as we ended chapter number three, here's what I would say to you. Jesus shows us how to get victory over our temptation right here so that we can live in victory and we can follow what God has for us, which, by the way, is the best life. It is the best life. So we're going to look at what I titled this morning, just simply this, Lessons on Temptation. And I believe there are some tremendous helps here as we dive into the Word of God. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. If If you're there in the Gospel of Luke, I want to ask you to hold your place there. All right, and just kind of mark your uh, place there. If you got one of those little ribbons, is what I call them. I heard somebody call them a hangy downy thingy. All right, but one of those little ribbons, and you want to hold your place there. Uh, do that. I'm, I'm just going to use my handkerchief and turn. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of James in, in chapter n- number one. The book of James in chapter number one. You want to talk about a very practical book? James is a practical book. And I'll never forget, uh, my pastor said this one time because his pastor said this. And he said this, he said, most, James would not be allowed to preach in most independent Baptist churches in our day and time. And one of the reasons why is because he gets very practical in a lot of things and, and things like faith and works and all of that. But I think probably one of the best passages on, on, on the clarity of temptation and how it works is found in James in, in chapter number one. So if, if you turn there in James chapter one, look down at verses 13, and we're going to read all the way down through verse number 16 and just kind of talk about this here just for a moment. But look at what James says in verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted 
when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And then I love the ending right here because he says this, Do not err, my beloved. In other words, don't give in to the temptation. Hey, God has something far greater for you. All right, but, but from this, when you look at this, there are three very distinct and clear principles that I just I want to bring out this morning as we dive into this, this scene with our Savior back in Luke. Number one, you need to understand this. God does not tempt us to do evil. Let me say that again. God does not tempt us to do evil. Now, God will test our faith. God will test our faith, but God does not tempt us to do evil. Now, the reason that I bring that up is because you can look back at the Gospel of Luke and you'll see in verse number 1 that it talks about the Spirit of God. It says, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, here's the thing. Though the Spirit of God is going to lead him into the wilderness, it's not the Spirit of God that does the tempting. That would be Satan. Is everybody understanding that? So you need to be reminded of that. You need to understand that because here, I'm just telling you, listen, we live in a culture that wants to shift the blame a lot. And one of the things people like to do is they like to shift the blame on God. All right? Even when it comes to things like temptation, they want to shift the blame to God. I've had people say things like, well, you know, the devil made me do it. Not really. Um, well, you don't, and I've, and I've even had guys go into the book of Job and, and how Job knew that, there, you know, that God knew what was going on with Job and, and, and what Satan would do to him in afflicting him. And they would say things like this. Well, listen, if God knows about my sin and what I'm going to do, then why would he allow me to be tempted? And why does he tempt me? Listen to this. Please understand this. God is not at fault for our sin and circumstances. You understand that? No, 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 no. It is our fault. Man, man is a free moral agent. Man is the one who chooses. Man is the one who, when the devil comes along and tempts him, man is the one that gives into his own lust and buys into that and eventually sins. Listen, God's not the one at fault. God's the answer. And this is what is amazing is that if you sin and if you get a, give in to temptation and you do mess up, you can come to God. And I love that, 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 that passage in Hebrews. You can come to God and you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's, God's not the one at fault, friend. God's the answer. So please understand that. But here's the second thing. You need to understand this. Every man is tempted. Look at what he says. Look at what he says there in verse 14. He says, but every man is tempted. That Listen, I, and I, I wrote this in my notes earlier, but I didn't say this. Temptation is kind of like difficulties. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, because it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. Listen, it's going to happen. It happens to the lost, and it happens to the saved. Now, now we understand, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, listen to this. You are, you, the, listen, the devil has you exactly where he wants you. And he is going to work overtime to keep you blind from your need to be saved and, and throw everything at you. He is going to tempt you, all of those things. 
But I'm telling you, if you have put your faith and trust in Christ, then there is a time and place where you can go back to, yes, I called upon the name of the Lord. Well, praise God for that, but you need to understand this, that, that though you are saved, the spiritual battle is not over. Be a fact, it's just beginning. And the devil's going to do everything he can to try and ruin your testimony and salvation and keep you from serving God. Well, why would he do that? Well, here's why. Because not only will it ruin your life, but you understand, it's going to have a negative effect on everybody around you that knows that you have a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. They're going to be influenced in a negative way by that. And the reality is, that's going on a lot in our day. And the third thing that he shows us is this. So he shows us that God's not the one that tempts. And then he shows us that every man is tempted. And then, and, and then he begins to show us this, how temptation, uh, where it all begins. Look at verse number 13, uh, uh, verse number 14 again, excuse me. He says, but every man is tempted, listen to this, when he is drawn away of his own, what's that word right there? Lust. And enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, this is the end result. It brings forth death. And that is why James says this. Do not err, my beloved brethren, because that's the end result of it all. And nobody, no child of God wants to see another child of God end up in this kind of tragedy. We uh, had a great time. I was mentioning earlier, we had a great time at the uh, couple's retreat. You can leave the book of James there and, and uh, go back to your place there in, in the Gospel of Luke. But uh, we, we really enjoyed our time uh, with uh, uh, Bill and, and Pam Marshall. They are uh, dear friends of ours and, and have been uh, for a long time. And, and uh, we actually met the Marshalls uh, back when we were at Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, and I was uh, on staff there by vocationally, the youth director and things like that. And, and at that time, Bill, uh, Brother Bill Marshall w- uh, was still in evangelism. And so he would preach meetings there at Berean Baptist Church. And then if he was just traveling through or anything like that, they had a space behind the church building where they could park uh, their RV. And, and so as they were traveling through uh, Springfield, kind of a central location in the Midwest. And so they could go by Berean Park and, and take a couple of days off. And during some of that time, Brother Marshall, had a, had, he had a cool little chihuahua dog named Spike. Spike was, Spike was cool, knew all kinds of tricks. Man, he would sit and he would, you, you know, lay down and speak. And he, he'd done all these tricks and obeyed. Uh, Brother Marshall, I mean, it was just amazing. On command, all of these things. But Spike had one major setback, as most dogs do. He had what's called the lust of the squirrel. You understand what I'm saying? And so one day, this tragic event took place that has gone down in Berean Baptist Church history. Brother Marshall was parked behind the back of the church building, comes out of his RV, Spike next to him, faithful, loyal. And so as he steps out of his RV, there was also a squirrel. And Spike, the chihuahua, who already had big eyes, saw that squirrel, and his eyes got even bigger. And Brother Marshall saw the squirrel, 
and said, Spike, no. But the lust of the squirrel was too much. And Spike took off and chased that squirrel all over the ground. And that squirrel ended up running across uh, Norton Avenue or Norton Street right there. And Spike followed across. And about the time Spike got out in the middle of the road, a car came by and ran Spike over and he died. And so now there's a, there's a behind the Berean Baptist Church there, there's a grave back there. Spike was buried in his favorite blanket and there's a tombstone that says, Spike Marshall, he was a good dog. All right, just trying to help you this morning. Now here's, here's the point of the story. You and, I, you and I could easily say this, well, Spike was killed by a car, but the reality is that's not where it started. It started with the lust of the squirrel. And when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, what I want to say to you is this. Now, to me, that's a funny story. It would have been even more funny if it had happened to a cat and the lust of the mouse. All right? To me, that's a great story. That's a funny story. But here, here's the thing, is that it's not funny when it happens to mankind. And what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this. Please listen to this. Is that just as the devil was working in the life of Christ and trying to tempt him and trying to ruin God's plan for the redemption of all of mankind, Satan is still very much at work today. He is at work today doing the very same thing and trying to tempt mankind and ruin his life. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that we need to get in the Word of God and expose this and learn how to have victory in our life because that's what we can have as God's people. So let me give you some things from this, and I want you to see this. Number one, I want to point out to you this, and if you take notes, you ought to write this down. The first thing that I notice is this, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but you ever noticed this, the timing of the temptation? The timing of it? I don't think, listen, I don't think it's of any coincidence that Jesus just got baptized and then he just had the power of the Spirit, uh, you know, descend upon him in the form of a dove. And, and then now he's leaving Jordan. And of course, the Spirit of God leaving, we, uh, leading, we understand that. But I'm just telling you, I think that the timing right here is obviously something that we need to take a look at. All right? So, so you understand. Now, please, please understand that I, I, I think that obviously God knows what's going on. The Father has said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist has prepared this. I mean, obviously, God is at work here. And so God, God is, you, you know, He's at work in the beginning of this ministry. But please understand this. I don't think Satan was ignorant of what was going on here either. Now, don't get me wrong. I do want to say this, and I want to clarify this to God's people. Listen to this. Let's be careful that we don't attribute the characteristics of God to Satan. Because Satan is not all-powerful, God is. And Satan is not all-knowing, God is. And Satan is not omniscient or everywhere present, only God is. But I will say this, that does, on the other hand, that doesn't mean that he is ignorant of things. And I think that he very much understood what was taking place here. And this timing right here, obviously, what was something that was an, what was an issue or something that, that, that you understand that, was, you know, that he's trying to do here to right off the bat try to ruin things. And what I want to say to you is this, is that what I have found is this, is that timing plays a part in our lives as well when he begins to tempt. Right. I, listen, I, I have found this, that anytime somebody, anytime somebody sets out 
to do what God wants them to do, I'm telling you, immediately, guess who's right there trying to prevent it? The enemy. I, listen, I remember, I remember in 2002, all right, I got saved in 1996, and I remember in 2002 when God started dealing with me about preaching. Now, it had gone on for several, you know, two or three months. God was working in my heart, and God was working in my life and dealing with me about, about the call to preach. And I've always said this, I, don't, I never felt like I was running from it, but, but I wasn't sure, and I wanted to be sure. And so my prayer was this, is that I just, I just told God this. I said, Lord, I don't know. I'm just not sure about it. Would you make it real in my life? And that was just my own way of expressing, Lord, I just I want to make sure that this is what you want from me in my life. And, and, and so as I prayed that prayer, what I found out was this, is that he'll make it real clear. And he did. And the day that I surrendered to preach, the, when the alarm went off that morning for me to get up and go to work, as soon as my feet touched the floor, I'm telling you, man, it was, I, I have never experienced the, the satanic oppression that I experienced you know, that, that morning. Now, that's not to say, listen, he has definitely you know, tried to attack and done different things you know, throughout my life and ministry, but I'm just telling you, in that moment, it was serious. And I, man, I'm telling you, I was struggling. I was wrestling with things. I was doubting everything, and I can remember driving into the plant that I was working in that morning, and man, I just, I, I was, the, the, my countenance was just, I was so in despair and so frustrated, and people were coming up to me and going, hey man, is everything all right? Because that's norm, not normally how I went to work, man. I had, I had the joy of the Lord in my life. But that morning, man, I didn't. I was miserable. And the devil was just working me over, and I was struggling and battling, and he was bringing up my past life, and saying, man, you, you can't preach. Look at the stuff that you did before you got saved. Look at how you messed up so many times after you got saved. And so about 11 o'clock that morning, I finally had enough of it. And the Spirit of God was dealing with me. And I was praying. And then the Lord started reminding me, don't you, listen, didn't you? Don't you remember in my word where, where it says you are forgiven and your sin is cast as far as the east is to the west? never to be remembered anymore. So are you going to trust in the Word of God? Or are you going to listen to what the devil has to say? And I finally said this, I bank it on the Word of God. And as soon as I did, it was just like, boom, the devil left. And I surrendered to what, what God wanted in my life. Now listen to me. I'm just telling you, that was at the very beginning of understanding God's calling on my life and what He had for me. And I'm just telling you, Satan was right there. And you know what I have found through the years in ministry is that I'm not some kind of, you know, I'm not anybody special. And that just as the devil was trying to keep me from doing what God wanted from my life, he's working in the lives of other people and trying to keep them from what God wants in their life. You know, it's amazing. You see somebody that's lost and they're struggling. They got all these questions and Man, they're just battling and everything. And man, you start talking to them about the things of God. Invite them to come to church. And they go, all right, man, I'm going to come to church this Sunday. And they, all right. And they, do, and they commit. All right, I'm coming. And it's amazing to watch what happens and watch what unfolds in that next week. The stuff that goes on. Something will happen at work. It'll get, it'll, it'll get Sunday morning. And the boss will be calling Sunday morning. Hey, can you come in today? 
sickness. There'll be some kind of sickness. Man, there'll be some kind of family issue. There'll be a flat tire, a wreck on the interstate. Listen, you, you name it, and something will happen. And this is what we do. Well, you know, it was just bad luck. No, it wasn't luck at all. It's called spiritual warfare. And the devil's doing everything he can to keep somebody from hearing the Word of God and hearing about their need to be saved and coming into a corporate setting like a church and listening to the hymns and the psalms and the spiritual songs as we glorify our God and His presence moves in and the man of God stands up with the boldness of the Holy Ghost and preaches, thus saith the Lord, and the Spirit of God begins to convict them and to draw them in their need to be saved. Listen to me, the devil doesn't want any of that. And he'll do what he can to keep mankind from it. And I don't think, listen, and I don't think it's of any, listen, it, it, it happens to us as God's people. You watch, you watch when somebody says, you know what, I've been saved, preacher, and I want to follow the Lord in baptism. Or I want, to join, I want to join Faith Baptist Church and I want to be a part of the church and I've surrendered my life and I want to serve God and I want to live for God and I want to do what God says to do in my life. You watch what happens in the things that take place. I've sat them in my office and said, now listen. And you try to warn them, man, and you try to, you try to do your best you can to explain what's going to happen over the next several months. There's going to be things you can't even explain, the, 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 the difficulties and, and the stuff that comes along. And, and our young people commit and how the opposite sex is going to be thrown at them. I've had these boys that surrender to preach and set them in my office and said, you don't understand that now that you've stepped into the realm of God's call and you're God's man, there's a gigantic target that just got bigger on your back. And he's going to throw everything he can at you. He's going to throw, listen, I'm, you just, you are family and say, man, I want to serve God. Watch what, I mean, listen, the job, the, the job that you've always longed for, but it's going to require you to move away and work on Sundays, it'll come. Because the devil's going to do what he can to keep you from serving him. As soon as you make any decisions about God, listen to me, as soon as you make any decisions about getting serious about the things of God, you watch as the enemy comes after you. And I'm just telling you right now, he don't like it that he's being exposed this morning. Which may ought to say this, maybe we ought to perk up a little bit despite how cloudy it is outside and pay attention to some of these things. You understand what I'm saying? Because I'm telling you, he is definitely at work. But let me tell you something else. He knows when we're vulnerable too. Look, look at what happens here in our text. This is interesting. You, you know, you see verse number one, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But now look at this, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward and hungered. You think after 40 days and 40 nights, he probably was hungry. Some of you teenagers can't go 40 minutes. I remember when my appetite was like that. The problem is it still is, but I got the metabolism of late 40s instead of 14. It's amazing. The idea, though, here is this, is that the Lord Jesus now manifested in the flesh, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and He's hungered. Now look at, look, 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 look at what happens in verse number 3. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. Wonder why the first temptation was turn it into bread. Because he's vulnerable. His flesh. You ever fasted? 
I mean, not, not just from like things that we do for our fall revival and stuff like that, but I mean like really fasted from food. And I have done that. I, I, remember, I remember years ago when I was pastoring in Cassville, it's not to say that I, ha- I haven't fasted since then, but I can just remember this story distinctly because I was fasting. There was, there was a situation in, in our church and we were getting ready for a revival meeting and so we were doing some other fasting, but I had just decided that that day I was going to put away all the food and everything and I was just going to fast and pray and seek the Lord. Well, later on that day, I had an errand I had to run. I had to go down to Rogers, Arkansas because if you're in Cassville, Missouri, we have three red lights and a Walmart and that's it. And then it's the geographical oddity of, of Southwest Missouri because it's an hour from everything that has stuff. So I drove down to Rogers, Arkansas. And when you get down to Rogers, Arkansas and you start pulling in on the main highway... There's this first red light as you turn the corner and you get into town. And so I pull up to that red light and it's red and I'm sitting there. And this is like later on in the afternoon. And and so I've been fasting all day. And I look over and there's a McDonald's sign. And this giant quarter pounder with cheese. Listen, Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't even like McDonald's. Or their hamburgers. And all of a sudden my stomach is making noises I hadn't heard in a long and I'm starving to death. Man, my flesh is crying out. You know why? Because it was vulnerable. Do you understand that that's the way the devil works? Listen to me. You watch when somebody gets saved and they're a babe in Christ. And I'm just telling you right now, in that first probably three to five years, there's going to be spiritual warfare that you, I'm just telling you, that not only you've never experienced because you've never been saved until now, but just stuff that you're never going to even be able to look back and explain. Because the devil is trying to ruin your testimony. He is trying to, I love what Jesus said to Peter. He's trying to sift you like wheat. He's trying to get you to turn back to the old life, to go back fishing, to quit and to give up. And the sad part is, there is, listen, nine times out of ten, this is working in our day and time. Do you know how many times I said as pastor of Bible Baptist Church when I was there, where I said if we had everybody that was saved in that church, we'd have been building a new building. But the reason there wasn't is here's why. Because a lot of it was temptation by the enemy and they quit. It amazes me. A family sits down and goes, you know what? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to get committed. We're going to be a part of a church. And you watch what, what the devil does. I remember, I remember when, when and, and this was in my notes, Brother Gary, Brother Gary and Miss Angel, when they came to Faith Baptist Church and they came in and said, I wonder if this church preaches on the King James Bible. And that night the message was on the authorized King James Bible. And then the next time they came in and said, I wonder where they stand on the Lord's Supper. And we gave the, or, you know, where we stand on the Lord's Supper and Baptist baptism. The next, and so by the time it was all said and done, they were like, we know where the Lord wants us. And they joined Faith Baptist Church. Watch this. And you, listen, you talk to them after the services about the stuff that they went through. After they joined the church, Lacine, an hour away, and they're in every service. And we got people here that live 10 minutes away. Show up. And what a testimony that is. But I'm telling you, they experienced flooding, hit a deer. I'm telling you, that deer, they're of the devil. That's why we should kill every one of them and eat them. <laughs> Folks, what I'm trying to get across to you is this. That's how temptation works. He comes after you when you're vulnerable. He comes after you 
when you're setting out to do the things of God, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, timing is very key in His attacks on us. Now let me give you something else here very quickly. Look down at verse number 3 again. What I want to do for you is this, and I want to take a little time here, you okay? Alright, I know we're going past noon. You'll be okay. But I want to give you the truth. The truth about temptation. And I want you to listen to this. Alright? Christ was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Now, what my, what my thing would be this. Okay, preacher, what are those points? Well, according to 1 John chapter 2, in verses 15 and 16, here are the points. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what John says. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. So look down at verse number 3. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. You know what that's talking about? The lust of the flesh. He's hungry. Look at verse number 5. And the devil taking him up into an high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, uh, uh, said unto, unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for, this, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will give it, if thou therefore wilt worship me, and, and all shall be thine. So this is what I would say. That's the temptation of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. Satan takes him up on the mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. What he's looking at says, I'll give all this to you. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Look down to verse number 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thee. So he's taking him up on the top, a high area, and said, I want you to jump. Because if you'll jump, according to the Bible, look at verse number 10, for it is written... He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. So what he's saying to Jesus is this, is that if you'll jump according to the Old Testament scriptures about the Messiah, they will, the angels will protect you and keep you from getting hurt. It's the pride of life. Show me who you really are. Prove it. Jump. You know something, listen, just, just, just really quick, listen to this. Just a side note, let, let me say this. If you look at what he quotes right there, it's actually Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, and you need to know this, he actually misquotes it by leaving out the phrase, he leaves out the phrase, in all thy ways. Which, by the way, is pretty important to the context of the passage. And what it does is it just shows you that not only does Satan know the Word of God, but he knows how to give you a counterfeit by leaving out a little portion of it. I'm just telling listen, listen, every word of God is pure. That's why I'm glad we got the authorized King James Version of the Scriptures. Somebody say amen. But, but here's the point. So though there, I'm going to just tell you, there's so much that you and I can look at and deal with, but, but the reality is this. Every one of these situations exposes the truth about temptation. 
And I underline this in my notes, and you need to listen to this. The truth is this. Listen. Satan always shortchanges you with temptation. He always shortchanges you. It gives the appearance to satisfy on the surface. But the reality is, it's only temporary in comparison to what God can do. Preacher, where where do you get that? Well, look at what Jesus says to the response of the lust of the flesh and the bread in verse number 4. And Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know what he's saying? He's saying this, man doesn't just need physical food, he needs spiritual food because that's what will truly satisfy his soul. It's a contrast. And the reality is this is exactly what man is doing today. He is living by the lust of his flesh. And he's seeking satisfaction in money, in material things, and all of that stuff. And over and over and over again, as man chases those things and gains those things, you know what? In the end, he still says this, that isn't enough and it doesn't really satisfy me. You know why? Because what the devil has to offer in this world can never do what God can do. If you and I will just humble ourselves to His Word, we'll trust Him as our Savior. Ah, That'll satisfy your soul. And as you surrender to Him and live for Him, the satisfaction that you'll experience as you walk with Him. (laughs) Look at the next thing. Oh man, I'm telling you, this is so true. Look at verse number 8. When He's shown all of them kingdoms, watch this, no, watch this. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. This is the lust of the eyes. The devil tried to tempt Christ with all the worldly kingdoms of the Lord Jesus, uh, tempting tempting Him with uh, with the worldly kingdoms, if the Lord Jesus would bow the knee and worship. But He refuses to. Do you know why? Because not only are you only to worship God, but listen to this. His father had a far greater kingdom for him. (laughs) It's not going to be one that's temporal. It's going to be one that's eternal. It's not going to be made up of the things of this world. No, no, no. He's going to come back and set up his kingdom. Christ would have given all that up had He given in to the lust of the eyes. Look up here, look up here. That's exactly what people do today. You know how many times I've watched young people throw away what God would have for them in marriage? Because they can't stop looking at something perverted on a computer screen? Or something comes along, Satan comes along with somebody from the opposite sex? who they know they have no business partaking of. And they follow the lust of the eyes. And they give in and they marry them. And it ends in great tragedy. Listen to me. Well, why why does that happen? Here's why. Because how can two walk together except they be agreed? Look at verse number 12. 
So here's this temptation in the pride of life. And look at what Jesus says. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the, the Lord thy God. So Satan tries to get the Lord to prove himself, to prove that he is the Son of God. But think about this. Think about this. It was just 40 days and 40 nights ago that Christ was baptized and he heard the Father say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Preacher, what does that got to do with this? Well, here's, here's the thing. He already had the Father's validation. Why did he need to prove himself to the devil? He doesn't need to. And so he refuses to. But please listen to this. Isn't that how the devil tempts our pride? He lures us in our own insecurities. In our fears. And this is what we're doing today. Well, I, you know, they got this over here and they, they look so happy, so I'm going to go and do that. Well, they got this over here and they look so happy, so I'm going to go do that. And we try to make this person happy or we try to be like this person or we try to make this person and we try to be, or we try to, you know, to, to make this person, whatever the case. Listen, listen, what you need to be concerned with is whether or not God's pleased. And be focused on Him. But that's the way the devil appeals to the pride of life. And you got people running all over the place trying to, trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. The point is to get you to see that Satan's temptation, listen to me, every time it shortchanges you and me. Every time. Yeah, sure, it's, listen, it's going to play on your fears and your insecurities. It's going to feed your flesh. But you are giving up what God has for you, which is so much greater. I'm going to give you the last thing, and I'm through. And that's the truth in temptation. You know, you look at this passage. If you've been following along, you're prob- probably already going, man, I, some of that stuff I never saw before. Because there's a lot of deep stuff there to chew on. But I think probably one thing that every one of us know is this, is the answer, the response that Christ gives when faced with temptation. He quotes Scripture. And it's oftentimes we hear that, that when the devil comes, we need to learn the Bible, we need to quote the Bible, we need to have the Bible with it. And I'm, listen, and I'm not knocking any of that. I think it's good instruction. But what I want you to see and I want you to be mindful of is this. Please listen to this. He didn't just quote it. He believed it. He believed it and his obedience to that and resisting that temptation demonstrates that. Preacher, what are you getting at? What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that I know a lot of people who know what the Bible says. But they've fallen in temptation because they didn't really believe it. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. If there is anything that I could encourage you in this morning is this, it is not only to, it is not only to know of God's Word, but it's to know this, that God's Word and God's ways, they work. And it's not enough to just know it, but we've got to know it and actually do it. 
And that is how you get victory. Years, uh, years ago, I, when I was pastoring in, in uh, Bible Baptist in Cassville, most people don't know this, meth, um, the addictions to meth is a huge issue. And the uh, area in which we were living in was actually called the meth capital of the world. And so we had decided, we had dealt with people with addictions and things like that through our church and, and stuff, whether it was prescription pills or, or meth or alcohol or, or whatever. And so we decided that we wanted to start what's called a hope ministry. And hope, uh, the word hope means this, helping others put off entanglements. And it's just, a, it's a biblical counseling ministry that was created by uh, independent Baptist preacher, Brother Rick Carter down in Oklahoma City area a good man of God, and uh, he, he created the material that's biblically based, and it helps people to get victory over their addictions. And so in the process of getting that ministry started, we, we decided this. There, there was another church up in the Springfield area that was actually had one up and was already going, had people coming to it. And so on a Friday night, we got together with some of the people in our church that was going to be working with us, and we said, let's go up there and watch their meeting so we can learn how to do it. So we went up there, and we're sitting in the meeting that night. And so after, it was right at the end of the meeting, and they started asking for testimonies. And there was a lady that stood up. And listen, listen to this. She stood up. She was a member of another church there in, in the area, and she had an alcohol addiction. And she started giving her testimony about how, you know, things had been going really good. And she said, up until, up until this week, some things happened in my life, and I really, I, I really I had a battle. And what happened was this is that she had gotten paid on the Friday uh, before this, and, and then she had done her tax stuff, and she was expecting her income tax return to come back as well. And so she knew how much it was going to be. She had gotten paid, and so she decided, I'm going to go ahead and pay all my bills and get that done so I don't have to worry about it. And, and so she did, and it only left a few dollars uh, in her account but she was waiting on that income tax to come back, and she'd be fine. And she was like, it's supposed to be in my account today. Well, it got towards the end of the day, and the bank closed, and guess what was not in her account? Her income tax. So she starts kind of worrying. And then Saturday comes around, and Sunday, and Monday. And, and so she, all right, the bank's open now. It's Monday, and she's watching her account, watching her account. And her income tax never came. And then Tuesday comes, her income tax never comes. And she's run, she's run out of money and she's panicking. And she's starting to stress. And you know what people do when they have an addiction and they start stressing? They go back to that addiction. And she said, you know what I did? She said, I called my pastor's wife. And she said, hey, I know it's late. But I want you to know what's going on. And I really, got a, I really got an urge right now to go down to the market right down here at the corner. I've only got a few dollars left in my account, but I want to buy a six-pack of beer and just cope with this and just get this out of my... I am just stressed out, and I don't know what to do. And the pastor's wife said, I want you to get down on your knees right now and let's pray. And they prayed together over the phone. And she, goes, she said this. She said, I feel better. And she hung up the phone. About an hour later, she didn't feel better. Started thinking about that beer at the corner store down the road. So she called up her pastor's wife again. She said, hey, I'm really sorry to bother you again, but this, uh, this urge is back again. I don't know what to do. She said, get down on your knees and pray. And so she prayed. They prayed over the phone together. She said, all right, I feel better. 
So they hung up. Another hour, calls her back. Listen, what do I do? She said, I want you to open your Bible, get in your Bible. I want you to spend time. I want you to read this passage. I want you to read this passage. I want you to read. And when, after you read this passage, I want you to pray. After you read this passage, I want you to pray. What, after you read this passage, I want you to pray. Gave her some long-term instructions so the pastor's wife could go to bed. <laughs> and she got off the phone. And she hung it up. She got in her Bible and started opening it up and reading it. God began to speak and she got on her face and began to pray. Man, she's just struggling still. Got, open, got, open, open, got the Bible open again, reading it. Got on her face and prayed. Got the Bible open, got on her face and prayed. Just kept doing it until finally she just listened. She had peace and she slept through the night. She woke up the next morning. Checked her bank account. Guess what was in it? Her income tax account. And she got the victory. Look at me, look at me. God's ways work. Work. It's just whether or not we're going to actually do it or not. You mark it down, the enemy's coming after you. It's like he's after me. But I'm telling you, the ways of God work. If we'll just do it. It's as simple as that. Let's all stand.